Welcome to Worldwide Wonderful Women, a podcast for your living in divine power when yours is diminished. A podcast where encouragers receive encouragement. We understand these are hard times. You may find that it is becoming more of a challenge for you to remain strong as you give of yourself continuously. That's why this is the place to join other women globally who face the same challenges as you. So join us regularly to receive biblical insight not to faint, but to stand strong. This is the podcast to be rejuvenated and revitalized. Now, let's join our host, Paula Harris. Greetings, and welcome to episode number 294 of Worldwide Wonderful Women, and the title of this episode is Liberty in Our Lord, Part 2. I trust that your Resurrection Day celebration was blessed and full of thanksgiving. I am sharing Romans chapter 14 this month to instruct how all believers are at different stages in our spiritual growth and how we should not judge one another, but leave the judging to God who knows the hearts of all people. It's important to go back and listen to last week if you've not done so already because each scripture this month is built upon the next. Now, what I'll do to help you is I'll read the passages from last week to refresh your memory, but you will have to go back to that podcast to hear the explanation that will lead into today's passage. Now, this is what it says, looking at Romans chapter 14, verses 1 to 4, and I'm going to read it out of a different translation, the New Living Translation, for the verses last week. Accept other believers who are weak in the faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants, their own master, will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. Now remember in verse 1, when it talks about disputes over doubtful things, we are talking about arguing over what another thinks is right or wrong. It means to quarrel or argue about differences of opinions or reasonings to dispute or to debate with someone on the basis of different judgment. It is not talking about doctrine that's written in black and white in the scriptures. So be careful because some have pulled out a thought or a passage from the Bible and have established it as a man-made doctrine that religiously, socially, or even politically favors their opinion. Another thing I want to touch on this week is what about discernment? Aren't we supposed to exercise discernment? Discernment means a power to see what is not evident to the average mind. Discernment is a searching mind that goes beyond what's obvious 
or superficial. So when you're having discernment, you're stressing accuracy. In the body of Christ, there's even a spiritual gift of discernment. So there is spiritual discernment that is necessary in the life of a believer. But it is different than the judging that is being addressed here. Judging here in this passage has to do with deciding to judge a person to be guilty and liable of punishment, to condemn, to determine or conclude that that person should be sentenced, damned, or determined guilty. So what are we to conclude regarding discernment and judging? If we're using spiritual discernment, it would empower us to see what is right from wrong, what is evil versus what is good. And then we will be able to make a righteous, correct choice. Whether it has to do with our own behavior, getting the log out of our own eye first, which I really do suggest, and which is really told us in this scripture, or whether it has to do with the behavior of another or a situation that we are exposed to. If we were to truly exercise discernment, we would have the wisdom to see that a brother or a sister needs to grow in a certain area, and we would respond in love coming alongside of them and being light and salt so that they can see the truth and then they could use discernment to see the path that they are on that is not in alignment with Jesus. That's the correct way versus our responding by judging them for not being where we believe they should be spiritually and therefore condemning or rejecting or determining that they're not truly believers in Jesus Christ. I hope you see the difference. One response is governed by the love of Jesus Christ, leading to the unity of the body of believers, and one is governed by Satan, leading to the division of the body of believers. So by all means, use discernment, but leave the judging to the judge, Jesus Christ, whom we're all going to stand before one day to answer for how we all have lived. All right, let's look at our passages for this week, which will be verses 5 to 8. Verse 5. So now I'm going back to the New King James Version. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Here is a second example that is given, which is showing a difference between what we talked about last week as those who are classified as weak and those that are classified as strong. Last week, it was a dispute or an argument over what you should and should not eat. This second example, which is given here in verse 5, has to do with honoring one day above another. Here, one man esteems one day above another, and another esteems every day alike. Those considered weak were picking out a certain day and proclaiming it as holy, or you might say more holy than other days. And this verse probably relates to the holy days of the Old Testament with the ceremonial laws and also that of the Sabbath. But then you had those other saints or believers, they looked on every day alike. They didn't look upon six days as secular and one day as sacred. To them, all the days were sacred. 
So they served and worshipped Christ consistently seven days a week. Here is a second disputable matter that they're arguing over. When you're talking about the fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith, there's no room for individual opinion. But in this area, where things are neither right nor wrong in themselves, there is room for differing views or differing opinions. In the latter part of verse 5, it says, Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. So what that is telling us to do, to examine our heart, to be sure that we're doing what we feel the Lord would have us to do individually. So how are you serving Jesus? And why are you serving Jesus? Is it to keep rules that have been laid upon you so that you could keep a good relationship with Jesus? Do you realize that rule keeping does not earn for you what Christ has already given you through his death, burial, and resurrection? Do you serve him out of obligation, even obligation to church leaders? Or is it love for and thankfulness to Jesus that motivates you to serve him continuously? I know these, these are hard questions, but we need to answer them. What are your convictions? Do you even have any? And how were they established? Were they established through God and his word or the opinions or the pressure from others or by people pleasing or wanting to fit in or to be accepted? Let pleasing and obeying Jesus be our one true conviction above all else. And no matter who gets mad at you or rejects you, let Jesus be your Lord and your master. Above all else, listen to him, even when it conflicts with the opinions and the reasoning of others. The Holy Spirit who abides in you is going to lead you in all truth. So trust him to guide you, to teach you, and to direct you. This scripture is telling us to be fully convinced in our own mind, not the mindset of others around you. And you're going to see later as we continue in this chapter why this is so important. Now, remember, we were talking about one day above another. Now, what about us who usually set aside Sundays to worship? Sunday or the Lord's Day or the first day of the week, depending on what scripture you're reading, in the New Testament does seem to stand out. It was the day of our Lord's resurrection. It's when Christ met with his disciples. It's when the Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost. It was when the disciples gathered to break bread on the first day of the week. Even Paul instructed the Corinthians to take a collection on the first day of the week. So the Lord's Day does stand out in the New Testament in a special way. But rather than being a day of obligation, like the Sabbath, we need to look at it as a day of privilege. In our nation, most of us are released from ordinary employment and we can set it apart in a special way to worship and serve the Lord. We recognize the principle of one day in seven as a day of rest, as our Lord did in the book of Genesis when he created everything. So whatever your view may be on this subject, the principle is this. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. All right, let's look at the following verses. Verse 6 says, He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat, 
to the Lord he does not eat and give God thanks. So days and diets are really not the issue, but whether what is being done is being done in light of serving the Lord. Their perception of the issues may have been wrong, but their desire to please God through observing or not observing particular days or eating or not eating certain things, it was being done sincerely. They were trying to please the Lord and give him thanks. So why should either case be made the occasion of strife or conflict in the body? Even though believers disagree with regard to either of these issues or other issues that are not biblical sound doctrine from the word, they must respect the opinion of others because the motive of both the weak and the motive of the strong is really from their heart to honor God and to give him thanks. So I hope you're receiving that. Now let's look at verse 7. For none of us lives to himself and none dies to himself. As believers, we belong to the Lord. We live and die in relationship to him. Therefore, we should aim to please him. The Lordship of Christ enters into every aspect of our lives. And that's what verse 7 is trying to let us know here. No Christian lives for himself or herself, but for Christ, because he's the one that died for each one of us. Finally, verse 8, For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Each believer in both life and death is seen by the Lord and is accountable to him, not ultimately to other Christians. Now, please listen to me. We should always ask ourselves, what is the opinion of my Lord in this? Not what is my opinion or what is the opinion of others so much. Now, the reason I'm saying so much is there's more that's coming in the following part of this chapter that we do need to consider. But this is true for any issue where an honest difference of opinion among Christians exists, whether in keeping or not keeping special days, in eating or abstaining from eating certain things, or in other matters that are not prohibited by Scripture. A believer's individual accountability to the Lord in every area of life and death is what is important. In verse 9, we see one of the reasons for which Christ died and rose and lived again is that he might be our Lord and that we might be his willing servants gladly to render to him our devotion and our grateful hearts. And his lordship is going to continue even in our death when our bodies lie in the grave and our spirits and souls are in his presence. Therefore, God, and not other Christians, is the one to whom all Christians are responsible and before whom we're going to have to give an answer in regards to how we've lived. It is therefore wrong for us to stand in judgment over fellow believers whose practices on disputable matters may disagree with ours. The basic teaching here is that each Christian must live his life in full view of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do so as servants to the Master, and therefore our relationship to Him is going to affect our relationship with others. We must interact with others in a method that's pleasing to the Lord and not in judging the strong or demeaning the weak. The reason for our actions like this toward one another is the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ from his authority. 
As our resurrected King and Lord, He tells us to live in harmony, one with another. Well, I trust what I have shared today has been helpful. And make it a point to be here next week. And smile, Jesus loves you. Thank you for listening to Worldwide Wonderful Women. We trust you enjoyed the program. Please take a moment to leave us a good rating and review on iTunes to help us continually encourage others around the globe. We also invite you to go to TWMforJesus.org. That's T-W-M like in Mary, F-O-R-J-E-S-U-S dot O-R-G to download your free gift and see other resources to help you live in divine power. And oh, don't forget to tell your friends. Until next time, be strong and of good courage.